Yo, good day, gents, and welcome to another episode of Father's Fire. My name's Jody Cedric, and every week we get together to explore the joys, the challenges, the triumphs, the sorrows, and yes, the fun of being a dad. And hopefully this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, you've had an opportunity to spend time with your family, your friends, your loved ones, enjoying the freedoms that were given to you, provided to you by the men and women who wear the uniform and it's an opportunity for us. Yes. To celebrate and have time together. But I think a lot of times we miss an opportunity to really reflect on the dedication and the sacrifice of not only the men and women who dedicate their lives in service to the military and for our country, but I don't think we think about also the families behind them that support them, that miss them when they're deployed that go for long stints and periods without their loved ones because they're out defending our country and defending other countries and doing what they can to stand for liberty and freedom and be a beacon of light and hope that liberty should offer to all people. So I thought today that I would um, revisit two episodes Um, The first one is an interview that I actually had with my brother, Mike Cedric. He serves in the military, and uh, he shares um, in this episode some very heartfelt challenges with being deployed and having young children and how he talks to his children, how he prepares them for him leaving, as well as how he interacts with them while he's gone and then reconnects. Um, with his family when he gets home. And then in part two, I want to uh, revisit an interview with Ty Watson, um, a Navy guy um, who also served with the Marines and the Navy. And uh, he shares how it is challenging to get out of a military mindset when he's with his family and with his kids and making sure that he's treating his kids like kids instead of soldiers. And so I thought it would be an opportune time, it being Memorial Day, that we take a moment and listen to their stories and listen to the sacrifice and the dedication that they have given on our behalf. And so I wanted to recognize these men by sharing their stories and revisiting those. So I hope you guys enjoy this. This is part one and uh, part two is to follow. Make sure you check out both of them. Thanks, guys. See ya. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you guys to my brother, Mike Cedric. Uh, He is uh, stationed somewhere in the world. Uh, We can't disclose his location. (laughs) It could be south, could be west, could be north. Uh, But I am proud to say that he is uh, a, a Marine uh, he is there to defend and um, stand for our country, and he does a phenomenal job for that. Uh, with that, and uh, is a true tribute to our family, and uh, he is my hero. So, welcome, Mike. Super happy to have you on the podcast. Cool, glad to be here. Yeah. So, uh, before we get started, we do have to do do the disclosure that uh, any. And all content expressed by my, my brother is his personal feelings. It is no reflection or official statement of the U.S. military, the U.S. Marines. 
this is just two brothers sharing um, a conversation together. So, you know, it's, it's not very often that we, well, sometimes we as dads get together as brothers and just kind of laugh at our kids, <laughs> especially the stupid stuff they do. <laughs> so uh, we have a, a WhatsApp um, account that we share content back and forth. And it's, it's funny because a couple of months ago, you actually shared a little video of your brother trying to, or your son, I think he's your oldest son, uh, trying to skateboard off a concrete pillar <laughs> into grass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's talk about, um, you know, recently my family went and saw you in Hawaii before you got stationed on your current assignment. And we just had a fantastic time. Um, and in one of our conversations, you and I were talking about what it's like being deployed as a, as a father. And I, I know a lot of my listeners, they're in the military, and I think they struggle with deployment, right? Leaving their family behind, but also having this sense of duty. So I thought that would be a good place to start, you know, being in the military for as long as you have. How, has, how have you and your family managed that struggle of being deployed for long amounts of time? Uh, well, it's, it's a little bit different every time because depending upon the location as well as the difference in kids' ages, that's going to kind of depend on how you handle it. So, for example, my first combat deployment, the kids were a lot younger. I think the oldest was about six, so we had three boys at home. So Autumn was doing everything by herself because the boys weren't old enough to really help with anything. And she had gone home to spend that deployment with her family, thinking that it would actually be a big help. But where she went in the Midwest, um, there wasn't a whole lot of support network there. Um, people didn't really understand what was going on and, and, um, her family wasn't as big of a help as we thought that it was going to be. So it was a challenge because she wasn't only just trying to wrangle these three boys. She was also, you know, dealing with the family dynamic there. And then at the end of it, she had to go back to our duty station and get the house set up. So then fast forward uh, about a year to the follow on deployment. Um, she actually stayed home that time and she didn't want to uh, spend it with her family, which was helpful because we were living on a military base. So she had fellow spouses there whose husbands were either deployed with me or who had experience that. So they had that common bond. Um, she did fly a friend out who ended up not being much of a help, but just having that common bond with other military spouses was definitely helpful. There's been other smaller... Uh, I don't know if you can classify them as deployments, but two months here and two months there. And again, each time it's different because of the family situation. Now, from a father's perspective, the important thing I try and do is trying to explain to the kids long before I go where I'm going and try to explain to their understanding of why I have to go. Because the last thing you want to do is spring on a four-year-old. Oh, guess what? Dad's leaving for a year. And the four-year-old's like, what's a year? So, yeah. for example, this was kind of heartbreaking um before i left to come here was the night before and i was tucking the kids in and my four-year-old colton 
normally we just tuck it. I tuck him in. We kind of goof off and that was it. But that night he just wanted to chatter and chatter and chatter while I tucked him in. Because I think that was his way of saying that he was going to miss his dad while I was gone. And one thing, you know, it, it got me choked up. He says, Dad, are you going to be gone for 20 days? I said, well, I'm going to be gone for a lot longer than 20 days. And so having to explain that to a four-year-old, was it was, it was difficult. But I think that one thing that helped was leading up to that, explaining the upcoming deployment to him so it's not a surprise, explain that we can still talk. And then one thing that I think is important, too, before I go is trying to take time for the kids collectively and individually. So that first deployment, um, when we took Autumn home to be with her family, I remember a couple of days before I left, I took Logan and Porter out on the kayak, on a canoe, I'm sorry, and I just took them canoeing on a river by Autumn's parents' house and tried to explain that I was going to be gone for a long time. I still remember that, that little canoe trip. I don't know if they do. You know, before this current deployment, we did a long trip um, across the United States through all the national parks. And then when we got to the house, you know, our, our stuff wasn't there. The movers were late getting the stuff there. But, you know, we, we had fun playing in the pool. And then, you know, I took time with the boys uh, and we built a half pipe in the backyard. So, well, I built a half pipe in the backyard and they held the boards while I did it. But it was, you know, it was just spending that time together and then, the week before I left, you know, I, I took all the boys. We went to the skate park and we went out to ice cream. But, you know, because we have the four boys and two girls, you know, a couple of nights later, I took the girls out and we went to a movie and I took them out for ice cream. And it's just trying to prepare them that it's coming, letting them know that you're, you'll still be there for them as often as you can, that you're not leaving because you want to, but you have to because of your job. And then I think a key thing is making sure to take that time with them before I leave. Because it's going to be hard no matter what, but try and try and soften that blow as much as possible before the departure day actually comes. Yeah, you, you know, it's as I reflect back on Judy and I's um, marriage, you know, we've, we've only been separated nine months, and that was due to a job assignment. You know, I went back to San Francisco. And uh, we had Devin, and Christian was just a super young baby. I mean, I th he was less than a year, I think, maybe two years. And um, I, I just remember him getting really, really sick, you know, and being away from Judy and trying to figure out how I was going to get back. I mean, that dynamic's got to be really challenging because it puts a weight you know, on you because, you know, your hands are tied. I mean, literally, you can't get back home. But also, you know, puts the weight on the, you know, what's going on at, in the home with your with your wife. So how, how have you and Autumn managed the separation, the deployments? Uh, well, leading up to it, you know, there's a lot of talk and a lot of discussion and we try and try and take a little bit of time together before we go, you know, and then also having conversations before I leave without the kids around because, you know, the little experts think they need to chime in about this, that, or the other, like, no, we, we need to, we need to talk right now. We'll, we'll explain this later. So, you know, trying to take as much time as we can together. And then throughout the deployment, um, communication's a big one because, 
you know, at home, it's enough to just sit down together and watch TV and you don't have to say a word, but I don't have that option. So communication becomes a big one. So on my combat deployments, you know, first one, it was pretty much email only. I could occasionally get to a phone to call home, but with the time difference and costs or even having a phone available was pretty challenging. The second deployment, it got a little bit easier at times. Um, and then now here I am, I'm able to call home every day via WhatsApp because I have connectivity. So when I do, I make sure and, and take time with the kids and talk to them. But most of the time on my calls, you know, it's, it's not planned this way, but most of my time on my calls are, are spent talking to Autumn where, you know, we talk a lot about what's going on with, you know, with the house or with the deployments that way we can still maintain those decisions and and keep those open lines of communication so that way we're not caught off guard or surprised by something the next time we do talk or or when i get home from the deployment yeah so i mean you, you lead men in your role and you do a lot of training do you see a lot of uh men and women in the military really struggle with those deployments and is it because they don't keep that communication up? Uh, it's, it's difficult to say because, you know, in, in my line of work, we have a lot of alpha males that, that don't want to show <laughs> weakness. And so you don't always talk about it a lot at work. And, you know, if, if you do, it's more so with a peer. So it would be, you're more likely to talk about homesickness with someone of your, your rank are very close to it versus going, going up or down. Um, you know, there's, and I've seen the mix where, you know, some guys maintain regular contact through letters or their wives are always sending packages. But I remember one guy, I don't remember how I heard about it, but I was his boss and somehow I found out that he hadn't called his wife in a couple weeks. And I went up to him and says, you need to call your wife. Yeah, yeah, I'll get it done. Like, no, go call your wife today because I'm hearing about it. And I'm not the one who should be hearing about you not calling your wife. So if there are other marital issues or he was just lazy, I don't know. But either way, you know, there's there's some guys that, that take it as a chance like, hey, I'm single again. <laughs> um, and then there's guys like me, like, I just, I'd rather just be home. But this is this is what I have to do right now at this stage of my life. Yeah. So on the backside, um, when you're coming home and you've been gone for so long, is that dynamic? Can that be pretty tricky coming home? It absolutely can. So, cause I mean, when you get home, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you, you get to meet everybody again for the first time. You get to have that first kiss with your wife. You get a you get to see and hug the kids who are there. They're excited, but they're nervous because they haven't seen you in a long time. And so, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of different emotions and you come home and, you know, your wife's been running the show for anywhere from six months to a year. So it's important for you to, to take a step back. Like, Hey, I know what I used to do, but she's had the show for, for this long. It's not fair for you to jump in and say, Hey, we need to do it this, this, and this way. Cause she's already been, been doing that. So you need to take a step back and just observe for a little while, help where she needs help, but don't overstep your bounds for the kids. It's a lot of times they're just bouncing around. They're just, 
you know, super happy to have you home. But I remember when I got home from my first deployment, Logan was probably six or seven and we're having family time in the living room, wrestling and playing and whatever. And, and I don't remember what happened, but he got really, really emotional and had, and he went out to the garage. And so I went out in the garage with him and, and we talked and, you know, what he was feeling and stuff. So there is, there is a bit of a, an adjustment period when you get home because you've been gone for so long. You know, the dynamic is different because you haven't been there. And also, especially for the younger kids, you know, you know, six months out of a, a four year old's life or even a year. I mean, that's a quarter of his life. That's a long time. So at that point, you know, you're you're almost a stranger. So you do have to kind of ease your way back in. You're not going to come in and, and start up exactly the way it was when you left. But there is definitely that adjustment period where you have to kind of ease in and observe before things start clicking back to normal. So let's talk about the the fun of being a dad. I mean, th this has been kind of a serious thing. And I wanted to do it, right? Because I think it's something a lot of military men and women struggle with. And, and, and so I think the conversation has been important. But what has surprised you uh, most about being a dad? What's been either surprised you or what has been most fun? <laughs> oh, geez, <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I could, I could start with some funny stories if you want to hear that, I guess. Sure. Yeah. So like <laughs> we were in, uh, we were in our house um, in North Carolina and it kind of had, you know, the roof going over the front porch, but the second story windows were you know, overlooking that roof and you could climb out of the windows and, and get on the roof. And the boys liked to do that. They go out and read a book or whatever. Well, one day I was sitting there. It was, I remember it was a Sunday afternoon. I was just relaxing on the couch and Autumn comes in and says, guess what your boys are doing? So when they're referred to as mine, that's never a good thing. <laughs> well, these guys decided to climb out of the window and pee off the roof in the front <laughs> Uh, the front of the house which <laughs> as a guy I thought was funny but because my wife was upset about it I had to be upset about it too well so then the thing is where they were peeing it was facing the front it was facing the street and we lived in a subdivision so there are houses around and people going around it says did it occur to you that people could see your you know that no we we didn't think about that this is well, why didn't you go to the bathroom? Because the bathroom was literally right next to their bedroom. This is, we don't want to go that far. Like, okay, so it was less work to open the glass window, remove the screen, climb out, <laughs> skitter to the edge and go, then it would be just to go down and open the door to go to the bathroom. So that's one of my, <laughs> my favorite stories with, with those guys. Just stuff you just can't make up. But Or like you saw the video of Logan eating it when he rode the his skateboard down this slope in the grass he's like oh i thought i could ollie at the end and he just he ate it so <laughs> it's just never a dull moment that's for sure no and, and you know it's it's funny because you know as kids we all did that right and so as a dad when the mom comes in and says your boys you know it's going to be <laughs> funny you just know it's gonna be funny it's like all right but i gotta put on the dad face right? so i can totally picture you going out there that all right boys uh let's think about what you just did 
<laughs> it was funny though. <laughs> yeah, that that's fun. So, you know, if you're, you know, if you're giving advice to dads, what what are the things that you think are just really critical that a dad do in their home? The the first thing that comes to mind is I heard this this might be old and overused, but the I heard this quote, it says, children spell love, T-I-M-E. So I think it's very important to spend time with your kids, which which can be difficult, you know, when you're in the throes of life and you're balancing a career and a family and this, that, or the other thing. But taking time to spend time with the kids, you know, um, you know, when we were in Hawaii, you know, if I went surfing on a Saturday before I went out or spearfishing, I'd always ask the boys, hey, do you guys want to go? But, I mean, by that time, they were teenagers and dads were just lame. They didn't want to. <laughs> but before I went, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd ask them to go, and sometimes they'd ask me to go. Or whenever I went on a hike, I'd always bring bring the, the youngest kids because they love going on hikes. I think, to me, that'd be one of the biggest things is is spending time with your kids and the other one is being a good example. I mean, we're all going to mess up. I've done it a million times. I'm probably going to do it a million more. But trying to be a good example um, in pretty much everything you do. So, you know, when you come home from work, don't plop down on the couch and play video games when a baby's crying and your wife's cooking dinner. Like, oh, my day's so hard. Like, no, get your butt up off the couch and go help out around the house because, one, that's going to help your wife. And two, it shows the kids what what the man of the house should be doing. He shouldn't be sitting on a throne waiting to be served. He should be up and helping around the house and setting the example of, of someone who contributes and, and helps out around the house rather than a tyrant. And then, of course, um, being, you know, along the example, I'd say, you know, being kind to their mom, showing the mom that you love them because that's going to one, it'll help your relationship with your wife. And two, if you have boys, it'll show them how they should be acting towards their future spouse. And it'll show the girls what they should expect when they get married. Now I'm not saying I've been perfect. I've fallen short on innumerable occasions in that arena, but I still think it's important to try and, and set that, that good example because Autumn has a very good quote, and I wholeheartedly agree with it. And, you know, people always say, oh, I'm raising kids. Her thing is, no, you're not raising kids. You're raising adults. Your goal is to get those eaglets to get kicked out of the nest so that way they can soar their wings and fly. And hopefully you did a good enough job so that way they're a decent human being. They're not going to be a decent human being if you raise a kid. But if you try and raise an adult then that way, hopefully, if you've done your job right, then that way they can be a decent human being and, and be a contributing member of the society instead of a drain. Yeah, I love that. I, I tell people all the time, you know, I didn't raise my kids to nest. I raised them to fly. And I'm waiting to see how high they'll soar. Because if you give them the foundation and you give them the confidence and the belief that they can do that and the tools, they, they will surprise you how far they'll go. You know, it's interesting as I was thinking about um, this conversation, um, 
I've really been looking forward to it for a lot of reasons. One, I, I have mad, mad, mad respect and love for you as my brother. Um, but also as somebody that has, you know, dedicated their life, you know, to serving our country. And I wrote a poem and that's why I'm wearing my hat today. Um, Roar. It says, it says, Roar and then Father Stand with Courage. A couple years ago, we were going through a really, really challenging time with, with my youngest son. And, um, and as I was thinking about you and the other men and women that have to leave their homes, a lot of times we are called to stand in places uh, where we don't always show the true feelings of our heart. And so I wrote a poem. It's called Roar. And it, and um, I thought I'd share it with everybody and I'll put it in the show, short, the show notes. But it, it goes like this. When you just feel like crying, when you just, just feel like giving up, when you want to scream at the roar, world, roar in your heart. Roar in your silent prayers. Roar in your anguish. anguish. Roar through the tears and clenched teeth. Roar as you rise to face the day. No one will ever hear the roar of your heart, but they will see it in the way that you stand. Roar. And, and you know, as I think about how you have stood, um, as you served in the military, how you've served, how you've stood um, with your beautiful wife and with your kids, I, I'm just truly humbled by that. And we as men, I think a lot of times we wear you know, we put on the stoic face, we steal our shoulders and we get up and we go to work when, when we want to stay home, when we want to play with the kids. But there's a call of duty that calls us, um, a duty of, of love and determination to serve our family. And um, so I just, I wanted to share that with you and, and with the listeners, because men, you know, as, as my brother said, the true value, the true thing that you can give your kids is time. I mean, your kids will remember the time that you give them more than anything that you ever buy them. And uh, so it's our opportunity to, to do that. And I hope that as we meet together every week that, um, that it ignites something within you. It ignites a fire within you to become a better father, better husband. You know, that's why I try to find men that are trying to be good fathers. Um, because like, like, Mike said, you know what? <laughs> We're not perfect. We've messed up a million times. We're going to mess up a million more. But what's important is what you do today. You can change the trajectory of your family by what you do today. So stand tall. And uh, if you need to, the tallest you will ever stand is when you're on your knees pleading to God, asking for some help. Because <laughs> I don't know all the answers. I'm making it up as I go. I tell my kids all the time. I'm like, look, I'm not a perfect dad. I mess up. I, that's why I come to you and I apologize. But I will try to love you perfectly. So let's walk together in perfect love. And, um, you know, perfect love takes time. <laughs> it takes patience. It takes refining. And it takes us striving to be a little better. So. I just uh, want you to know I love you, brother. I appreciate you. Any uh, last thoughts that you'd like to share, or should we bounce? I think we can call it good. I appreciate you having me on your show. No, I appreciate it. So, well, guys, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. 
And of course, go out to jodycedric.com and check out the dad swag. I got the roar hats. Um, I actually have a, a roar hat for mama, so don't mess with mama. <laughs> Those ones are good. I got Judy's coming in. And uh, then I got some mugs and teas and stuff. So go check it out. Um, and we appreciate you guys. We will check you same time, same bat channel just next week. See ya.